Welcome to episode 54 of the Gameology Podcast. I'm one of your permanent co-hosts, Matt, joined by... Attila Gabriel Brunitsky. We're talking about our solutions for reviews. The last episode about reviews, we talked all about the problems, but what help is it to just whine and complain about problems if we don't try to offer our own solutions? So, Attila, what do you got? So... We wanted to do a full discussion about, uh, like, include both topics in the same podcast, <laughs> but I was using Adobe, uh, what is it, like, Sound Booth or something, and the program just decided to stop recording. So oh. that's why we actually, like, lost about 10 minutes worth of footage towards the end, uh, which is why this had to be a fresh recording. But we're going to try and make this a more substantial episode, probably. I feel like this is going to be much more of a kind of open discussion, because mm-hmm. if like reviews are the way they are now because no one has come up with a better way of doing it. So it's not like us two guys sitting here, like that we have the wisdom that is going to be like the one true way that reviews must be like, no. Cause I, I think that um, ultimately what a large part of finding out what makes reviews work for you as an individual is to tailor it to your own needs, like find that uh, this is actually one of your points, right? Is like find people whose opinions on games resonate yeah. with you. That, that I think is the most important thing because the thing with reviews that I harped on a lot and I think we found a lot of common ground was that when you attach a number to a game, it, mm-hmm. it, it feels scientific. Whereas yeah. when you're tracking fun and enjoyment and there are some games that can transcend and I mean, just about everybody can pick up Wii Sports Bowling and have a good time. But... A lot of a lot of times, like what makes Disgaea fun, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's insanely deep, uh, menu driven RPG goodness. Like that ticks a lot of boxes for people, and that game will be extremely high for some, and others will say this is really boring, and other people yeah. will find uh, a boring. We'll, we'll call a first person shooter really boring because it's just ah, you run behind cover and you yeah. shoot. So that's where we took umbrage with the sort of number basing system so you need to find you need to find reviewers that resonate with you sometimes i even have reviewers that i know don't like the same games i like so that if they give it a mm-hmm. five out of ten jeff cork game former i i know i should actually give a i should get a second opinion on that or maybe that has something that i won't find that detracting i mean you look at a game like bloodborne uh i've been mm-hmm. playing that right now and in a lot of ways it's a masterpiece and in other ways uh, a lot of backtracking, having to maybe grind for blood vials where they ditch the Estes system of Dark Souls where you always mm. had the same amount. That turned a lot of people off. But if you can get around that, I mean, there's so much more to love there. So it comes down to finding find people, resonating, and, and, and realizing that it's a very personal experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where I guess the... Like, almost rather than giving advice of how game reviews should be done in the future, the best thing we can do is give advice to listeners to say, like, hey, you know, if you want to see whether or not a game is good, don't just look up the Metacritic score. Don't look at that number and just immediately assume, oh, okay, that is a representation of the overall quality of the game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not to say that, like, every review thing out there is broken it's just to say like you know it is what you make of it Mm -hmm. and if you uh really want to see what a game is like try watching some gameplay videos of it uh not every game can afford to do a demo um it's just 
logistically difficult to give people a chance to experience a small part of a game. Mm-hmm. Like, you think, oh, it's super easy, right? Just make so the player can only play up to a certain level. In theory, yes, I could do that. Uh, like, this is something that I experienced trying to create a demo for Zarnok Fortress. Uh, when I let people freely play the first zone of the game, the incursion ship, first of all, what do I do? Um, do I put out the entire game with a little Boolean true-false thing that says like whether or not the player is allowed to progress past a certain point? I feel like that's just begging to be hacked or circumvented in some way, and now people are playing the entire game for free. So it becomes difficult for a number of reasons for developers to put out these bite-sized chunks of their experience, of their game, because if it, like, yeah, halting player progress after a certain point is as easy as inserting a a small variable, but like cropping out the entire rest of the game is really difficult. Like what you'll end up, what you might end up having is um, a game where like you go to download the demo and the the demo is the exact same size as the actual game because it is just like some binary flag that's been set to true or false as to whether or not the player is allowed to proceed. Right. So it's not, it's not as easy as it's not like you have a cake and you just give somebody literally a vertical slice of that cake where you get to taste it from top to bottom. This is more like you might give somebody the cake, but the entire bottom is missing so that when the whole thing just falls through and and can't exist, like game, game design and coding is a little more complicated than just chopping off a piece. Exactly. Cause there, there, it's just a, a simple matter of dependencies. Like there's just going to be so many, uh, separate, pieces of the game that are all relying on other systems like it's really hard to just grab a tiny chunk of your code and pull it out um i guess some of the games that do it best i remember braid uh on xbla what they did was they let you download yeah the full game and then you just got to play up to a certain point and then the game said hey you know um if you want to play the rest of the game just pay an in-game transaction and that actually works reasonably well because as far as a like player perspective by not having the game separated out as a separate file Mm -hmm. by just having this one demo file that is actually the game now suddenly it's not like you spent time playing the demo and then that progress is lost when you go over to the actual game yeah um it's not like uh you have to like you've downloaded the demo and then all of a sudden you need to spend a whole much a whole bunch of more bandwidth and time waiting for the actual game to download because yeah we're just going to unlock the rest of the game for you after you play past this point yeah um, i mean and a lot of people have unlimited internet and high speeds but that's not the reality around the world or even even in our own country as well so it's uh that does seem like the the best solution is just to have access to the first part of the game and definitely let them carry that over um it just becomes a risk from your side as right. a, as a small developer that you don't want to make it too easy uh, for people to just flip in there i mean that that would take some i guess for a hacker that's pretty easy i wouldn't even know where to begin on something like that <laughs> it honestly depends on how the game is written there are some um like when in the original versions of game maker 
uh, I had a friend who I'm not going to name specifically tell me that um, old versions of Game Maker files just had um, a single bit that you could just go in and flip. And not only would you have access to the full game, but you could edit it as well. Mm. Like the difference between the quote unquote compiled version of a Game Maker game and the version that you're allowed to edit with Game Maker software was this one single flag that you could flip. And it was really easy to do, which is why there exist um, illegal decompilers for Game Maker because the code wasn't actually as strictly compiled as you would normally expect from a game. Uh, it is now and exists in like uh, Game Maker Studio and later versions of Game Maker. The code is properly compiled. But um, the main thing I wanted to mention is like, yeah, uh, the example with Braid works really well because it was on the Xbox Live Arcade service. Uh, or if you're downloading something on the App Store, that works really well because there there are these services that are allowing you to insert these effectively microtransactions into the game. But trying to do that as an independent developer, you need a server to process those transactions. You need a way for the game to communicate with those servers. To try and do that as an independent developer is far more difficult if you don't have access to those servers. Um, could AAA companies let you get a slice of the experience? Probably. Um, I know that there was even a sort of concept being thrown around that uh, by downloading a game through a particular service, you'd have access to a fixed amount of time to play it, like literally based on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like minutes, like you have, you get 60 minutes of free play and then the game just says like, okay, that was your demo. And that's something that the developer doesn't even have to implement. That's just done on the sort of server side. I like that side of it. I mean, it's... Uh, in a way, Steam kind of has that with... They have a very loose policy of returns where you can play a game for two hours or uh, own it for a certain amount of time and, you know, return it if you don't like it. So that seems to be a pretty solid way to do it if it doesn't... If, if it's on the server side, if that's all, you're protected, they don't have mm-hmm. access to your game anymore. And it's... But all right, so I mean that's that's I think we've explored that quite a bit in terms of uh, you offering a demo to people, yeah, and that's a good way to have a review. But there are some games like Mighty Number no. Nine. No, was it Mighty Number no. Nine or it was um, the other one that was like a big failure there? Where uh, it was the one where the, like that Rocket Boy and he had like a dog. It was basically like an open world Mega Man in a way. I'll, the name will come to me, anyways. The first half of that game is spectacular. And people love it, and a lot, so many reviewers said the exact same thing. The first half was so good, and then you get to the end, and it's very obvious the game was rushed, mm-hmm. and there's some big problems with it. And you wouldn't, you, you know, a lot of people would buy that based on a demo of the. I'm sure they would love to give you a demo of that game. You know, coming yeah. Recore is what it was called. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, so for a game like that, that could be a problem. You want to see how a game comes together. Uh, it's. I've, I've been playing a lot, a lot more games recently this year uh, with streaming mm-hmm. and 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 trying to play all the way through. Whereas if I was just playing on my own, I might have you know you jump from game to game, you lose interest, you lose focus. And I'm finding a mm-hmm. lot of games struggle with the final act, uh, getting over that hump. I think once you've kind of learned all the progression and everything they're going to give mm-hmm. you, th- sometimes game variety drops off. So in that sense, 
you kind of want to the review helps you by saying this is the entire experience absolutely so in that sense a written review is still really important and, of course you know and it's uh and it's something that you can read in five minutes or less more you know under 10 minutes and you can get a, an idea of the whole game so it still comes back to where the text or however somebody's speaking about it is super important if you can trust a person's opinion or they're able to deliver it in a way without any bias yeah which is like super difficult to do because we all have biases no matter how much we try to avoid them yeah i was definitely like you know teachers aren't supposed to have any biases but i was a well-behaved kid so mm -hmm. i got away with stuff that other kids didn't in general um also how, that, do, how like, do you quantify the magic of something you and i gushed pretty heavily oh, yeah. about breath of the wild and mm -hmm. you know for some people i know that if you if you go into that looking for a zelda game with long dungeons mm -hmm. uh and and that that linear structure you're not going to like it if you're like me and you hate modern open world games there was something so i i recently started playing it again i got the switch copy and i thought i was almost worried to go back to it because mm -hmm. i thought god i had such a wonderful time on the wii u and that game is all about discovery and wonder and it's mm -hmm. still spectacular from the opening yeah. tutorial section but quantifying that with a number or an experience all you can really do i think your best bet is to find out what is the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay what is the overall experience the tone yeah does that resonate with you is this what you're looking for yeah i mean it's it's practically like people are not this responsible but like the ideal model almost would be let me play the game first and then afterwards i will decide how much i wanted to pay for that experience the, Which that's is what pirates resort to, right? That's yeah. that's what a lot of people do. Like, I'd say the most responsible pirate is somebody who downloads a game, tries it, plays it, and then if they like it, buys an actual copy. Mm -hmm. I'll admit that I did that with a lot of music. I downloaded it off of YouTube and gave it a good couple listens and then saw, saw how well it fit into my like meta playlist of 300 songs that I listened to in an endless loop because I'm... That's just the way I experience music. And if I liked it and I appreciated how it fit with other songs and it's something that I could see myself listening to into, into perpetuity, then I went onto iTunes and I bought the song. And, you know, a lot of people are not responsible enough to do that. Mm -hmm. They're going to play through the entire game and in their heart of hearts, they know, like, oh, yeah, that was great. That was absolutely worth $60. But they're going to be like, uh, I've played better. I'm not going to pay for this one. Yeah, it's kind of like the difference of when you are really hungry and mm -hmm. you go to a fast food place. You you know, you put out all the money to get the food. Or if you go to yeah. a restaurant and you stuff yourself and then you think, oh, I couldn't even imagine eating ever again. And then all of a sudden they give you this bill and you go, uh, you're kind of satiated. And also people, like you say, yeah. if they're on a tight budget it's really easy to blow that money and uh, you know if it's, i've i've seen the arguments from from a lot of pirates saying well it's people need to be able to test the game and they need to mm -hmm. and like piracy helps no it doesn't because because oh, if you really wanted to play the game enough to to find a pirated version you probably would have put the money out to do it it's like look at nintendo nintendo really is there's how everyone else approaches sales mm -hmm. steam uh playstation yeah. xbox Games go on sale. I mean, huge games 
like less than half a year out will have a big price mm-hmm. cut sales all the time you get them for nothing and nintendo just says nope i was waiting for a breath of the wild sale and if i held mm-hmm. my breath i'd be dead and even trying yep. to buy that game no one's selling no one wants to sell used no and that was oh man just real quick i remember yeah. that that was like it came up in an interview a while ago like when when like the oh no crisis about like game resale and i remember somebody asked like nintendo president of america reggie fizeme like uh, how does nintendo deal with like game resale and reggie's like yeah our games are so good people don't want to sell them yeah mic drop <laughs> it was just like yeah come on other developers get at nintendo's level whether or not i agree with him i mean at a fundamental level if people don't want to part with the experience and they can imagine wanting to play it a second time then yeah they'll hold on to it so there's definitely some merit to what he said um and right of resale is undisputable like you that's the one major thing that digital distribution combats is the ability to resell your products because now you don't actually own a thing you have a end user license to experience this on a personal level and not actually you don't have as many rights when you buy something digitally as you buy oh man there are just a million tangent conversations between piracy and yeah. digital like we we could get into some very muddy waters um so let's try and stay focused on game reviews i guess uh the best recommendation we can really make is a myriad of approaches right if you see something about a game and like you see like a bit of footage of it uh or you see a trailer for it and that intrigues you cool you want to find out more about it we all want to be informed consumers none of us want to waste a huge chunk of money plonking down for a major experience so if you want to inform yourself like this goes beyond buying a game this is like any product or service that you can see for yourself like using uh, like a t-shirt that you're going to wear for a certain amount of years, goodness knows. It's just the more you can find out about the product ahead of time, the better. And like, yeah, with the situation with demos, like, of course, a developer can always try to give you the best experience up front and then the rest of the experience kind of falls flat. Um, or how about, how about a why, game that yeah. is really short? Um uh, I, oh, yeah. I watched a, a video of Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, and I found it so interesting, I kept going, and then I saw the end, and I realized, I'm probably not going to play this now, because yeah. it's, and I would and I would have really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So you have to, it's a, it's a perspective thing. I mean, it, if you're going to, if you're thinking about an MMO that could give you a thousand hours of gameplay, I mean, you could, yeah. you could watch hundreds of hours of it on Twitch, and you could still buy it and still have a, lot, a good time with it. But for a mm-hmm. for a three hour narrative game, you might just want to watch the first ten minutes. Yeah, and if you if you get a a feel for the writing, and then you read some reviews that are saying, "Yep, it holds up in the end." You know, that's what you have to go with. I mean, with uh, you know, a game like Prey. Yeah, I love that type of game, and I would say it totally falls apart in the end, and mm. becomes backtracky. And uh, if it's. I don't know if it would convert people to that type of genre. If it's, but I mm-hmm. I love that experimental, um, sandboxy. You know, powers sci-fi is a big thing for me. Yeah, uh, that Bioshock system shock Deus Ex style. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I I would give it a seven, even though the mm-hmm. first half of that game ten. 
So yeah. that's a game that... But in the end, like even if I've read some reviews on it... All right, so if I've read some reviews mm-hmm. on it, I knew going in, this is going to be exactly yeah. what you're looking for, and then it falls apart. Mm-hmm. I might not buy that one at full price. You know, I might go, mm-hmm. all right, well, if it falls apart, I'm, I don't need to pre-order it and buy the deluxe edition, which I would never do. Yeah. The $120 version, get some cosmetic loot. But, you know, maybe I would have put my money into something else that is saying, like, no, this is something you're going to want to play right away. Uh, so, you know, that's that's important to know the, the whole piece of it. Absolutely. So, I think I have a point like, there. <laughs> definitely. And, and I think that, um, you know, while I've personally talked about the length of a game as a contributing factor to its overall value, I guess, if you could say that, sure. um, I hold that since games are fundamentally about experiences, if you have a short but succinct experience, you don't need to stretch it out. Mm-hmm. You also don't need to charge $60 for it. Yeah. Or $40 in the case of like, what was it? Metal Gear five ground zeros of the $40 demo. Yeah. That yeah. was a bit rough. It was a very short demo. Um, so in that case, like sometimes it definitely feels like developers are charging too much for the length of an experience. And if you're somebody who cares a lot about getting the most value out of your purchases, then look up the game on how long to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there are always like, there's a myriad of different services, right? There's always, there's a way to find video footage of the game. There's a way to find a overall opinion of the game. There may or may not be a demo out that you can try for yourself uh, there's ways of finding out how long the game is. Um, heck, there might even be a way of like you know getting it on Steam so that you can return it if you decide you really don't like it within that first chunk of time. So I guess as consumers right now, we need to make use of these different avenues to keep ourselves informed. And that in general sort of cycling back to the whole point here what advice could we give game reviewers well maybe try to touch on as many of these points as possible try to provide video footage of your review not just like highlight clips that are practically your own trailers for the game but actual long-form gameplay videos so moment to moment so i'm loop yeah i'm i'm imagining like a web page where at the top you have your like succinct thoughts on the game so that people can get a feel for whether or not this is something they're interested in in the slightest. Then you have a sort of longer form, like here's an hour's worth of gameplay of X. And it's not, you're not expecting the like crazy high production value on it, but if people want to watch it, it's there. Mm. Uh, then you have like a little bullet point series of information, like, including the how long to beat stuff so that if people care about that they can see it and then you have your sort of overall thoughts of the game experience so that if it falls apart towards the end or there's something else that's noteworthy then you can um, keep your customers or keep your i guess your readers informed if you're the reviewer at that point <laughs> well if they're uh, clicking ads they're your customers that i mean your your point about the two different types of video footage you could offer with a game like say i'm i started playing god of war one Mm-hmm. And the first level, if that was a first level demo, I'd plunk it down. I was talking, oh, this is a 10 out of 10. And then all those set pieces kind of disappeared. And the last half mm. of the game has been irritating puzzles, irritating climbing sections, repetitive enemies. And that moment to moment gameplay of, 
what you know what is what is what are you doing second by second what's the gameplay loop mm-hmm. like how what is the pacing of uh new area build up to a boss yeah. the cooldown that kind of thing so there is i guess that comes back to where a demo could spoil it and like you say the uh, that's a good point actually about those those review trailers of i don't just need to see the big moments also spoilers in a lot of reviews is is a big problem even just showing an area or or an enemy like Mm -hmm. my the greatest enjoyment i've had in bloodborne is discovering a new area looking at Mm -hmm. every nook and cranny all the new enemies the new designs if any of that is shown to me it's horrible and i I noticed this on youtube a lot is people um i was looking up some mass effect stuff i like to look up mass effect Mm -hmm. music and people saying they name a scene that's happening in the last game and i go oh great that's happening. Yeah. I didn't know that character yeah. was going to kill that character. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So yeah, it's, try to avoid it's spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I guess... Uh, so in terms of like general consumer advice, uh, I think we've covered a good amount of ground. But one last thing we want to get to, I think, before we wrap this up. This is something that also we lost in our recording, mm. is the fact that uh, certain developers will pay for user reviews. Because you think, oh, surely, you know, Last Bastion, you can look at what other good old people, gamers like you, think about the game and see whether they recommend it, dislike it, what they star rating they give it. And I can tell you, as um, for having published games on the iOS App Store, I've had companies approaching me saying, hey, pay us X amount of money and we will... Yeah, we'll give you like 2,000 reviews of your game. So it's not like one or two. It is like an inordinate amount of like you you can buy your way to the front of these app stores. Oh, my God. Um, And, and, you know, all those reviews are going to be like, nice, love it, great. So... And, you know, there's the generic five-star reviews. So if you're seeing those on the app store... It's a pretty clear red flag that this company is actually paying people to review it and say that they like it that much. Mm. So if you and that's a pretty clear, you know, indication that the game probably isn't worth your time or money if they literally had to pay people to say that they like it. So, yeah, but it's it's kind of, you know, in in such a crowded marketplace, sometimes mm-hmm. just having a couple thousand reviews even if they were terrible might help yeah. get your game some coverage and push it out and and even just the subconscious decision if i look at a game and it's got seven reviews it, mm-hmm. you know you think of it as small time right whereas if it's got a lot Absolutely. of buzz and people around it and i mean user reviews I, i'd say metacritic is probably the last place you want to look because it's yeah oh god it's just metacritic is going to tell you if it's a polished game that's for sure Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, game can be very, very polished and get an eight out of ten from everybody, or a nine out of ten, but not hit yeah. on the boxes you want. And then you got the user reviews are insane. There are people that go ten, 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 or they give it a zero. And yeah. sometimes they'll even say in the, in the Metacritic thing, they go, "Well, I'm I'm giving this one a zero to balance out all the tens. Like you're just I know <laughs> that drives me crazy. Like you're just feeding into the you're feeding into the issue. So yeah, you have to mm-hmm. like you say you gotta you want to see some footage for yourself. Hear about the ex- you want to see the experience, hear mm-hmm. the experience, and find someone that knows gaming in a way and, and to do it without spoilers is is really yeah. so. I don't I don't I can't think of a, a newer way to do it other than how we're doing it now. That's I think that's why Twitch is so popular because people want to get mm-hmm. a look at a game and yeah. and review written reviews probably aren't going to go away. And I think that that's a good thing. I I enjoy reading reviews even, uh, you know like 
on, on games I, I've played through and games that I haven't played, just to mm-hmm. you might you might catch a perspective you haven't experienced before. You know, I like to see why people hate Breath of the Wild. I like to see why people love Breath of the Wild. It doesn't Absolutely. affect me either way. Sometimes uh, I'll even read a review just because they'll highlight an interesting like core mechanic in a game, yeah. and they'll describe like whether it succeeds or fails, and it's always interesting to to see why it succeeded or failed, or why this reviewer felt that it did or did not work. Oh, absolutely. My favorite YouTube videos are uh, long-form, deep-dive, critical analysis on... Um, I mean, I've seen so many videos like going into detail on all the Zelda series, and have, you know, I've never mm-hmm. played Skyward Sword. I've spent more time watching videos about Skyward Sword than I ever intend to play them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, reviews... I think there's still... I, I think we're seeing less of them because it's... it's uh, the industry now of games journalism is about mm-hmm. news because it's something very easy that can put out there and get clicks. Reviews yeah. seem to be a dying form, so support the reviewers that you enjoy because it's getting harder and harder for websites to justify paying somebody to, to spend 40 hours on a game and then another couple hours writing a review. So support the ones yeah. that you do like because they might not be around for much longer. Yeah, and then even just a, a call out to any listeners, like I guess if if you really do like something or if you dislike something or even if you're ambivalent towards it, just make your thoughts known because Mm -hmm. the more honest opinions we can get out there about any game, the easier it'll be to inform other people's decisions. And, you know, if ultimately if it means that a game that you didn't like, you give a bad review and then you steer other people away from it. That's great. Uh, and if there's a game that you'd really do like and you want the developer to make a sequel and you may leave them a positive review and then other people see that and they buy it, then they are supporting the developer and you're all the more likely to get a sequel out of it. So as consumers, we tie into this web as well. You know, this might be a, a bit too big of a question that might mm-hmm. for the end of an episode... Uh, it might be better off to have a topic, Shoot. but I don't know if you could give me sort of a, a in a nutshell, mm-hmm. if every gamer just waited f- to buy something on sale, because my solution here mm-hmm. was like, when in doubt, just wait for it to be on sale. Would the mm-hmm. gaming industry collapse? Like, how do you as a developer feel about when you put your game on sale? Is that just a spark interest or is there still like profit being made there? Stop me if it's it, too personal. Well, I'll just say it's difficult for me to comment because I've my games don't get enough attention on Steam for me to get any sales outside of a sale. Uh, outside of a discount, I guess I should say. Right. So you're always going to get people who want to rush in and play an experience day one. And I feel like no matter how many times people are getting their hands bitten as a result of the day one experiences, they keep going back for more. Um, I'm just lucky because most of the games that I want to play day one are Nintendo games, and Breath of the Wild worked flawlessly out of the box. But a lot of games are really buggy on their 1.0 release, and that's a dang shame. And we've talked a lot about that in previous episodes. But I guess, to your question, in terms of whether or not it's... like, Would the games industry collapse if everyone bought everything at a discount? Yeah. Probably the AAA um, because side of things. the absolutely it will. I, I can actually say that not based on my own experiences, but I, I'm talking directly quoting from a lot of extra credits stuff that I've watched. Because sixty dollars is not enough yeah. for a game. 
you, you, $60 does not justify the cost of having made the experience. That's why we have loot boxes and so many other... Deluxe editions. Um, yeah, there, there are all these other ways to try and get more value out of the sale to the customer. So if everyone was buying these games at $45, $30, like waiting for the discounts, then the large games that we know and love would go away. Mm-hmm. So again that is like how do we combat that that's a separate um discussion and it's one that i don't feel particularly qualified to go over but like i said extra credits has talked about this at length and people responded with very immature knee-jerk reactions to it and you know so i i guess if you do look up the extra credit series on loot boxes go into it with an open mind and really try to listen to what they're saying and why these things exist in the first place because it's they do bring up some very good points, and I can understand that people might inherently hate loot boxes and want to see them gone. But at the end of the day, if you don't buy them, then what is it harming you? And if it's in a pay-to-win system, then maybe you shouldn't be playing that game in the first place. Yeah. And if you've bought a $40 game that is then pay-to-win or a $60 box product that is pay-to-win... Eesh, there's reviews that help you and tell you about these things ahead of time so that you don't end up in these circumstances. So I'm not trying to like gloss over these legitimate problems that I see in the industry. And I just, I feel like removing loot boxes entirely is not the solution. I feel like waiting and charging only $40 for every game forever is not the solution. I don't feel like charging $100 for every single game is the solution. I feel like it's very complicated and has to be handled on a case-by-case basis. Interesting stuff. All right, well, for some game reviews, you can go to a 90skid.com. We have our tireless reviewer, Matthew Owen, spending his life playing games all through the night to get reviews up for you. He just did God of War... He just he does them all. Um, I I put up reviews of my own after I've uh, done games, but they're mostly for very old games. So if you're interested in what I think about the Metal Gear Solid series, I also did a fan, my favorite kind of review where I went over because Metal Gear Solid One is so such a short game. I basically mm-hmm. analyzed almost every scene in that game. So that's on our site as well. How about you, Attila? You can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or my personal handle, Attila Gabriel. You can check out my website, BluishGreenProductions.com, which has a bunch of games on there that I've made, including two that are on Steam. And uh, you can also submit feedback about the show on the site. So if we ever, ever get user feedback, we will absolutely read it. So it could be you. could be you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.